I'm Pastor Dwight. I'm the uh, interim pastor, the temporary pastor here. Pastor Darren has uh, left, and we're looking for a new pastor, which will come in the new year. But I'm here for now, and that is good. And we're going to have a, a good uh, opportunity to worship, uh, continue to worship this Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. Can you believe it here already? Advent concludes on Christmas Eve. That's where we are tonight with the birthday party for Jesus. Christmas comes during the darkest days of the year, and we, we hunger for light. And you notice it's getting dark early, and it stays dark in the morning when you get up. You know, I think that's kind of symbolic of the spiritual darkness that we experience when we're searching for God. Does God exist? If he does, how do we connect with him? What's blocking our knowledge of him and our awareness of his presence? These are dark things spiritually. And Chris reminds us that God came to earth as Jesus, as light, as a symbol of truth. Light to shine in the darkness. Light to show us God and the way to meet him. And Christmas lights are more than just an attempt to brighten up the dark days of winter. Christmas lights celebrate the light. Jesus is the light. Now, we have a little video for you. Do you remember Mr. Bean? As he went shopping for Christmas lights, let's see what happens to him. Bean turned out the lights. Well, um, normally I have something from Grandpa's basement. So, George, you want to bring up what we got from Grandpa's basement? Um, it's actually from two Grandpa's basements. Thank you. We got a, a couple of lanterns here, and it reminds us of the light. But uh, in the summer of 1962, I was seven years old. 
and our family went to Sudu, Saskatchewan to visit my dad's parents. My brother Grant and I were fascinated with the coal oil lamp that, was found, that we found in this barn. Now, apparently, I thought it was my brother who was fascinated, and he says, no, 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 that was you. I was fascinated with this lantern. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, and I carried it around with me all the time we were on the farm. I kept taking it. And so that Christmas, 1962, my grandfather sent me that lamp from the barn, and that's the lamp that he sent me 60 years ago. And, uh, but my brother got a little ticked off that he didn't get one. So my dad went out to Hudson's Hardware and bought him his own lamp. And so this is my brother's lamp, and this is mine. Because I said to him, how come I've got a rusty old lamp and you have a blue one? And he says, oh, because dad went and bought me a brand new one. You had grandpa's old beat up one. And... Uh, the, the thing that happened with the lamp was, my dad said, whoa, those are too nice. You're going to wreck them or burn the barn down. I'll keep them for you. I never saw it again <laughs> until 15 years ago. My dad came to me one day and says, do you want your lamp? And I did not have a clue what he was talking about. And he reminded me of this whole story, and then I vaguely remember getting it. I'm like, so I was able to enjoy my Christmas present twice. <laughs> Light, darkness, winter is full of darkness. When I was that young boy on our farm, I helped my dad with the farm chores. Both Grant and I helped dad. And we would have to go out to the barn to feed the calves. Now, it was only about 300 feet, but in the winter, it was dark. And as you're walking, you think, what could be lurking in the shadows? Could be a dog, maybe a bear, a cougar. Could be my friend Rolf next door who's going to jump out and scare me. Could be Monsters, Inc. I mean, you're, you're just thinking all kinds of things can be going on. But I developed a special tactic, a secret weapon, when it, the dark scared me. Every time I started getting my mind going into the dark and it's spooky, I would think, don't look at the dark. Instead, look at the light from the barn. There's one little light that was glowing in the barn. Dad had one 60-watt light out there, but it shone out into the driveway. And if you kept looking at that, you did not look at the dark. You know, people have always been a little bit afraid of the dark. It's why we have night lights. It helps us to move around the house at night. I remember doing security at camp at Quanos and locking up the gate. You know, it was scary. Even for me who'd grown up here, I knew that it wasn't necessary to be frightened. But, you know, you walk out to that gate, it is completely black, and there's rustling in the bushes, and you wonder what's going on. It's scary. The dark can be a scary place. The dark can hide scary things that I don't want to face alone. The dark can rob me of my courage. The dark can steal my hope. People have discovered that the world can be a very dark place. Place where scary things hide. Place that robs me of my courage, my hope, my faith. Henry Thoreau once said, Most men live lives of quiet desperation. Christmas might not seem as cheerful and upbeat as we hoped it would be. Maybe a loved one dies. Maybe friends and family move away. We may be struggling with divorce. We lose our jobs. We may face cancer. 
or some other overwhelming disease. And it's like the old Elvis hit that comes out at Christmas time. I'll have a blue Christmas with that certain. And when that blue heartache starts hurting, you'll be doing all right with your Christmas of white, but I'll have a blue, blue Christmas. Christmas can be dark. You know, that first Christmas that we read about, about and with Mary, wasn't completely a holly jolly Christmas either. It's a story of a teenage girl pregnant with a child that is not her husband's. It's a story of a child born in an animal stall. It's a story of baby boys being killed by King Herod because Herod feared that one of them might be the rival king the wise men spoke about. It's a story of someone sent into the world in peace who was condemned to die. It's a story of a light sent to shine in the darkness and the world snuffed it out. It's a story of God's never-ending self-giving mercy which was rejected and condemned. It can be a dark world. And darkness in the scripture, darkness in the Bible, has always symbolized sin and evil. And it can be difficult to live in a sinful, evil place. What is the right thing to do? Which is the right way to go? Who can know the way to goodness? It can be difficult moving in the dark. I remember at a family camp at Camp Quanos, I was going back to the guest house at night, and I thought, oh, I've been over that trail so many times, it'll be no problem. And there's a moon shining. Trouble is, I got into the bush and the woods, and everything. it was dark. I had to feel my way. It took me a half hour to get over a five-minute walk. So the next night, I took a big light and made sure I could see. When I had a good flashlight, what a difference. I could see everything. But when there was no light, it was difficult. You know, God has always known that his people need light to survive. When he created the world, what is it that he said? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. He created the sun and moon and stars to give light to a dark place. And when God saw the darkness in our lives the darkness that sin has caused. He loved us so much that he sent his only son to the world to be the light. John chapter 1 says, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Without Jesus, life can be a depressing, even scary experience for people. You know, if you read through the Gospel of Luke and Matthew, constantly... There is this idea of don't be afraid. The angels are there and they keep saying, don't be afraid. There's a lot of angelic activity in this uh, nativity story. When the angel told Zechariah, who is to be the father of John the Baptist, he says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. When the angel spoke to Mary, he said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. When the angel visited Joseph in a dream, he said, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then what we read tonight, the shepherds were out in the fields, and then the angels came to them and said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Again and again and again, God told people, don't be afraid. 
You know, the world can be a dark place, and life is often unpleasant and frustrating. People can be dark, intimidating, overpowering, causing us to be afraid. Do not be afraid, said the angel. Do not be afraid, said the king of heaven. Because we have received good news that shall be for all the people. We don't need to be afraid because Jesus came to this world to help us. God became human. The great creator of the universe became mortal. And the Apostle Paul reminds us in his letter to the Philippians, he says, He, God, humbled himself, made himself nothing. He became a servant, made in human likeness. Having become human, he stayed human even to dying a terrible death. And as we look at the theme of light, we see that there are three things that Jesus did. Three things that Jesus did because he was a light. Number one, Jesus came to be the light. Mark Twain quoted an anonymous writer when he said, The greatest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. You know, the world is filled with darkness. The circumstances of my life can make it so that it's hard for me to see what lies ahead. And the future is scary. It's dark. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. It's like darkness in front of me. And in the great scheme of things, I have many questions. Who am I? Where am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Jesus brings light into my life. He shows me the truth. I can see where I'm going because Jesus illuminates and gives meaning to my life right through into eternity. Jesus came to be our light so that we could see where we were going, so that we could know the truth, so we'd never walk in the darkness. And it's Jesus who said in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Like the beacon of a light in, the lime, in a lighthouse that shows where the harbor is, light gives direction. Like the light of the barn that showed me where my dad was, light gives comfort. Like a flashlight in the dark, light reveals and guides me along the narrow path to follow God. Jesus came to be the light. And number two, Jesus came to take our darkness. In Acts 26, uh, the Apostle Paul says, um, Jesus is speaking to the Apostle Paul. He says, I am sending you to them to open people's eyes and turn them from darkness to light so they may receive forgiveness of sins. You know, sin darkens our lives. It darkens our past. It darkens our present. It threatens to darken our future. Sin tells us lies. And Jesus came to remove the lies. He came to remove my guilt, to take away my shame, to deal with the self-hatred that often accompanies the sin that overtakes our lives. Jesus came so that you and I could have a second chance by accepting the light into our lives. Where light is, darkness is not. If Jesus is the light, if he's in my life, then the darkness has to retreat. There was a man by the name of Joseph Lister. He was a doctor in Glasgow, a Royal Infirmary. Now, Lister, he did not invent or name Listerine. However, when they invented Listerine, they said, let's call it Listerine because of Dr. Lister. You see, Dr. Lister, uh, in his day, there was no such thing as sterile surgery. 
They had no understanding of germs and bacteria. He lived in 1827, the 1800s. You know, surgeons would wear a white gown and white apron when they were doing surgery, but they would never wash the gown. And you could tell who a surgeon who had done many, many, many surgeries because his gown was covered with black blood. If he had only a little scrape on it, you wanted another surgeon. You want somebody that's done this many, many times. Well, no one washed their hands. And Lister was disturbed by the high proportion of patients who died from post-operative infections. And he became convinced that infinitesimal microbes, invisible to the naked eye, were causing the infections. But everybody laughed at him. They ridiculed him. They did not believe him. But he persisted, and he developed a number of antiseptic solutions with which to treat the wounds. Sure enough, the proportion of patients dying from infectious wounds decreased. In the similar way, there are spiritual forces, evil spiritual forces at work in our world today. They cannot be seen, but they wreak havoc in people's lives, causing them to fall into temptation, moving evil people into positions of national power, manipulating people's emotions, tearing them apart, destroying them. But just like Lister's contemporaries dismissed the theory of destructive microbes, many people today are ignorant or dismissive of spiritual realities. Yet you can have the powerful spiritual antiseptic to use against these destructive forces, and it's vital that you learn to do so. Jesus came to be the light, and Jesus came to take our darkness. But number three, Jesus came so that we could be light. Walk in the light as he is in the light. What's Jesus saying? Do what I've done. Another time Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. Jesus set us an example, and he taught us how we should live. The fiber optic Christmas tree is one of the neatest looking Christmas trees that's ever been produced. They don't make too many anymore, but back when I worked at Home Hardware, we used to sell these back in the 90s. And rather than lights being hung on the branches, the light source was actually at the base of the tree. Light fibers went up the middle of the tree and out the branches. And so you saw these little tips and then the lights would rotate. It was, it was, it was great, and it kind of illustrates the words of Jesus. You are the light of the world. In other places, Jesus states, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's that light, and we shine his light. If we're followers of Jesus, he lives within our lives, and Jesus is our light source. Our life serves as a means for the light of Christ to shine through, so that all will see the beauty of Christ. The light of the world has been born in our hearts that he might continue to shine in a very dark world. When Jesus came, he said, I am the light. Now to his followers, he says, you are the light of the world. Be the light. It's who you are in Jesus. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he actually used this uh, analogy, and he compares his followers to salt and light. You are the salt of the earth. And then he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the secret to influencing your world for Jesus. Just let him shine through you. Let Jesus shine through your brokenness. Let him shine through your pain and weakness. Don't hide your life from others. Instead, let them see what God is doing in your life as he works to heal the brokenness and the pain. Be genuine and real with people. Don't hide the struggle. Don't hide what Jesus is doing for you in the struggle. Instead, let Jesus shine through you to provide insight and joy to those who see you even in your pain. Just shine and provide insight for those in darkness. Just shine and provide guidance for those who are spiritually blind. I like the way John Stott said it in one of his sermons many years ago. He said, if meat goes bad, there's no sense in blaming the meat. That's what happens when the bacteria is allowed to breed unchecked. The question is, where's the salt? If the house is dark at night, there's no sense in blaming the house. That's what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where is the light? If society becomes corrupt like a dark night or stinking fish, there's no sense in blaming society. That's what happens when fallen human society is left to itself and human evil is unrestrained and unchecked. The question to ask is, where is the church? My dear friends, let's just be the church wherever God puts us. There is a classic Christmas movie, Chevy Chase in Christmas Vacation. Now, it's shown every year since 1989. It's not my favorite Christmas classic, but there is a scene that illustrates my point. Chevy's character, Clark Griswold, is desperately attempting to get all his outdoor Christmas lights to work. It is a monumental task, filled with frustration and some ridicule from his family. But finally it happens, and his wife inadvertently turns on a power switch in a remote storage room that actually controls all of the cords put together. It turns on 250 strands of light, 100 individual bulbs per strand for a grand total of 25,000 imported Italian twinkle lights. I did look it up. In Massachusetts, to light this house all of December, five hours a day, would cost a whopping $5,281 U.S. It's about $20,000 Canadian. <laughs> However, if they had used LEDs, it would be $63. <laughs> Here is an edited version to give you the idea of Chevy Chase. 250 strands of lights, 100 individual bulbs per strand for a grand total of 25,000 imported Italian twinkle lights. Hey! 25,000. Well, I hope nobody I know drives by and sees me standing in the yard staring at the house in my pajamas. If they know your dad, they won't think anything of it. Oh. Fire it up, Dad! I dedicate this house to the Griswold family Christmas. Oh. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. Oh, oh, uh. Drrr. 
<laughs> so did you catch that last part at the end? The whole neighborhood browns out when Clark plugs his lights in. And the power plant has to switch to auxiliary nuclear power to keep the city powered up. Now, Clark Griswold's house stands out in the whole city of Chicago. A bright light in a dark city. The Apostle Paul tells us that the followers of Jesus will be lights. He says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Matthew says, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Light needs power. Your own light is actually very dim. You won't make much of an impact. You need to be plugged into the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you will shine his light around the world. Then you will shine his light around your community. And then you will shine his light around your homes. Jesus came to be light, to tell us the truth. Jesus came to tell us the truth about who God is. Jesus came to tell us the truth about sin and how it separates us from God. Jesus came to tell us the truth about the way to God. Jesus came to be the light so that we could be the light, the truth, in a dark world. We're going to conclude with about a, it's about a four-minute video about a true Christmas story. It has been called the greatest story ever told. Many have heard the story of Christmas and how Jesus was born. But why was he born? The morning after Jesus was born, Joseph may have rose from an exhausted sleep and seen the ominous sight of Herod's palace, casting a shadow towards Bethlehem. Did he realize the symbolism? In the same way, this child was born in the shadow of this evil empire trying to find and kill him. This little infant he had delivered with his own hands the night before would one day stretch out his hands to deliver us all. His purpose was certain. Jesus came to deliver us. But there's more to this story. Jesus did not come only to save us. He also came to tell us the truth. As a young boy, he was found in the Jewish temple, speaking with the teachers there and asking them questions to draw out the truth. As he grew up, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all people. He spent his days in worship and studying the scriptures. He knew who he was and why he had come. Jesus came to tell those in his community the truth. Jesus went to the local synagogue one Sabbath day. Opening the scroll, he began to read from the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news. That day, Jesus declared he was the Messiah the people had been waiting for. Jesus came to tell those who worship God the truth. He started to travel 
People had never heard anyone talk about God this way or seen such amazing miracles. Some towns didn't want him to leave. His response to them affirmed his mission. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. It was clear to see. Jesus came to tell people who did not know God the truth. The most repeated phrase Jesus said was, I tell you the truth. The group of men who traveled with Jesus had heard him say those words countless times. As their time together drew to an end, Jesus summed up the message he wanted them to carry to the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Commissioning them to tell others, Jesus came to tell the disciples the truth. Tried and tortured, Jesus hung on a cross, moments away from crossing into the unknown realm the people of this world had never seen. As a man dying next to him uttered but a few words of belief, Jesus responded, Today you will be with me in paradise. That sentence still echoes through the hearts of all who hear it, resounding that Jesus came to tell those about to die the truth. He was placed lifeless in a tomb carved out of a cave, much like the one in which he was born. For three days, there was only silence. From the cave to the grave, every claim Jesus made was now on trial, and death demanded a verdict. Jesus didn't just claim to tell the truth, he proved it. As suddenly as Jesus broke through eternity and entered the world as a man, he broke through death and rose again. Jesus came to prove he is the truth. The next page is yours. What you believe is yours to choose. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. As you decide, may you heed these words. Jesus came to tell you the truth. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you came at this Christmas time and every year has been celebrated throughout the centuries that Jesus is the light, Jesus is the truth. We pray that each one of us would have that assurance in our lives. And if not, that we have this opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to know you as truth. Lord, thank you for this special night, this silent night, this holy night. We can celebrate the birth of truth and light. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.